Welcome to the show. We are your Super Motocross Insiders, Jason Wigand and Daniel Blair, SMX Insider, episode number three. And we are getting really close, well within a month now, of Anaheim wanting the kickoff for Monster Energy Supercross. It's real, buddy. Think about this. It's Christmas this weekend, then New Year's, then Anaheim. Talk about your all-time podium, but I got my flight confirmation today. So, Jason, it's real. It's actually coming, like, really quick now. That, that's the sign. Yes, when we- you get the flight confirmation, mm-hmm. you, you know it's real. Yeah, when you have to start actually planning travel, that means the race is coming. And, and then soon we'll be planning 10 guys who are guaranteed top five guys in the series. And then don't forget, this is just a start. As we've been talking about in this show, it's a whole new series for 2023 where we have the Super Motocross Playoff and World Championship at the end of the year. So probably strategies people haven't thought about yet going to play out. Uh, and it's going to start at Anaheim. Yeah, I think it'll be a work in progress, too. Riders are going to understand the format as they go. They'll know their own positioning. So strategies are going to come into play, I think, more towards the end of Supercross, early outdoor. But um, it's going to be fun. Again, it's coming very, very fast. And I think this, uh, the season's going to speed through, too. We'll be in the Super Motocross World Championship playoffs before you know it. So uh, don't blink. You might miss it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just remember how little time you have to Christmas shop and realize how quickly time flies. We'll be into the playoffs before <laughs> you even blink. Let's get more on the format. Let's go to Fell Motorsports' Dave Prater on how this is actually going to work in 2023. In order to qualify for the Super Motocross World Championship playoffs, you have to be in the top 20 in both combined Supercross and Motocross points. So at the end of the Motocross season, we will take the top 20 and those riders will be automatically seated in to both playoff rounds and the World Championship final. We'll also have an opportunity for riders 21 through 30 to race their way in. So those top 20 riders at the end of the regular season will be qualifying for the first 20 gate picks. Riders 21 through 30 are going to qualify and then race for those final two gate picks, gate pick 21 and 22. It's gonna be a much harder road for those riders 21 through 30, but they've still got a chance to compete. And ultimately, maybe we'll see a Cinderella story where You've got a guy that fights his way in playoff one, playoff two, and the world championship final and becomes ultimately the Super Motocross world champion. All right, thanks to Dave there for explaining the format. Now we're going to play the what-if game. We'll further explain how this playoff will work by using our 2022 standings, and this week we'll talk 250 class so we can show you the way the standings would have broke down if we had playoff seating in the 2022 championship. Daniel, what names stand out for you when we think about a three-race playoff if we had had one last year? Well, if you're looking at the favorites, it's pretty obvious. You would have Jet, you would have Hunter, you would have uh, Joe Shimoda, but the name that stands out to me, it's so unique, but... Nate Thrasher, okay, decent Supercross, decent Motocross. I don't think he's really in the position yet in his career to win either one of those championships. But if we're talking about the Super Motocross World Championship playoff, where it's three rounds, hybrid tracks, I mean, how about Nate Thrasher? Why not? In his rookie year, he won the Atlanta Supercross two of the three times he was there. Remember, he was a rookie when he did that. That's a hybrid track, Supercross, kind of outdoor, a lot more speed than normal. So he did that. And then last year, the East-West Showdown in Salt Lake City, he wins that as well. So it it proved that it wasn't a coast thing in East-West. He put them all together and beat them all. So for a guy who would maybe come in a little under the radar, this format, this, this, this playoff, the points, how it's weighted, someone like Nate Thrasher actually could be the winner of this thing right out of the gate in the first year of the Super Motocross World Championship playoff. 
Yeah, Thrasher already has one of the weirdest career stat lines. He'll be getting ninths and tenths, and then all of a sudden win against the best in the business. So who better to go out and maybe claim that first Super Motocross World Championship in the 250 class? What jumps out for me are riders who are going to split their time between both classes. So for fun, we put Christian Craig's 2022 250 total here. He's actually the 14th best combined 250 rider because he didn't race 250 motocross. He did race 450 motocross. He'd have been the seventh ranked 450 rider. And Craig's full-time 450, he doesn't have to decide anything for next year. But there will be others in that situation. Jet Lawrence, pretty much known. He's going to race a 250 in Supercross, a 450 in Motocross. Which series is he going to pick, 250 or 450, for the Super Motocross World Championship playoff? And another rider who's definitely in that spot is going to be Justin Cooper. Justin Cooper is going to race some 450 Supercross races and then go back to the 250 for Motocross, where he's a title favorite. He's going to stack a ton of 250 Motocross points, but he won't have 250 Supercross points. He's going to have to make up seeding once we get into the playoff. I don't want to count Cooper out, but we're going to see how much of a difference seeding makes in this very first year. So that's what stands out to me. Yeah, and Jason, the only thing he has going against him would be the seeding because he doesn't get to race the 250 Supercross. But outside of that, he's probably the favorite. I mean, Hunter Lawrence hasn't won a championship yet. Joe Shimoda hasn't won a championship. Neither has RJ Hampshire, Michael Moseman. Justin Cooper has won a championship. He knows how to get it done cross the finish line and hold up a number one plate. So yeah, he's gonna come in a little bit behind in the seating, but with the, the playoff format, the weighted points, it's not gonna be that big of a deal. If it was just three rounds, then yeah, maybe being that far out of it, kind of that's kind of a bummer going in, but he could very easily close that gap in the first one. And don't forget, hybrid tracks, he's really good at the pro motocross side. He's a super cross champion. Why not Justin Cooper? Even if he come in seven, eight, something like that, I, I'm not worried about it. Okay, and then let's make this even wilder. Uh, to give you an example, there's a very fast rider who isn't even on this list from last year, and that's Austin Fortner, who won a Supercross race, otherwise spent most of the year injured, didn't score a lot of points. The top 20 riders in points are automatically into the main events at the Super Motocross World Championship, but Fortner wouldn't have made it last year. I think he was ranked 23rd. But it's Austin Fortner. If he's healthy and he's fast, can he use the LCQs at all three rounds to get in and win the title? I think it's actually possible. Well, 10 years from now, there will be somebody who won this thing as a number one seed. There'll be somebody who's won this thing from a number eight or nine seed. History will be made in year one, but 10 years from now, there's going to be a lot of scenarios that we don't know yet. Someone like Austin Faulkner, he could be the type that could make that crazy LCQ, you know, that, that pathway actually where he would be the one. Yeah, remember, this is the what-if game. This is 2022 points. It's all going to be different in 2023, but it just gives you an idea of how many options are going to be in strategy. Forkner, by the way, he might split his season, 250 and 450. We're hearing that rumor. So when you start thinking about all the options when playoff time comes around in 2023, definitely boggles the mind. Okay, so the 250 riders will have some strategy and decisions to make, just like the 450 riders when it comes to playoff time in 2023. Easy decision for you fans, though. All 31 Super Motocross World Championship events can be streamed domestically. That's here in the U.S. on Peacock. To subscribe, go to PeacockTV.com slash sports slash Super Motocross. And for the international fans, you can join in the fun by getting the Super Motocross Video Pass. Go to supermotocross.tv to purchase access to every moment of the 2023 Supercross season, the Pro Motocross season, and of course, Super Motocross live events in one place. Plus, get over 800 plus hours of archived races. 
And my favorite part is the discount just in time for Christmas. So international fans, up until Christmas Day, you can get a discount of $30 off the Super Motocross Video Pass. Just type in the code SMX23EARLY. That's SMX23EARLY for a $30 discount on the Super Motocross Video Pass. Heck yeah, we're committed here. Let's go to the 30-second board and get some hardcore bench racing going with Jason Wygant, Daniel Blair. Uh, first topic, I will start. Uh, December 20th, finally announced the television package for Super Motocross World Championship. We'd already announced that all the races will be on Peacock. But Daniel will get a little exposure for the fans that aren't watching that way with some television on USA and NBC. Yeah, and I'm going to focus on the first round. Uh, obviously, it's the one that's coming up first, and I'm fired up for. Um, it'll be live on Peacock, live on USA, but then also re-airing on NBC. So I, there's a lot of viewing options for the first round. I think that's super important to kick the season off right. Um, so that's the first thing I noticed. And if you look through the 31 rounds, you can get a better idea of the rounds that'll have the options. But for me, it's all about A1 and a lot of options at A1. Yeah, no doubt. And also the press release confirmed that you and I will be part of the broadcasts. So that's good for us. Hopefully the fans like that part. Too. Yeah, I, hope, <laughs> I hope they do because it's it's official now. So Yeah, it's in a press release. You can't stop it. Uh, 250 class, we're trying to get some answers here. Uh, who's doing what? Um, it comes down to this. Jet Lawrence has already declared. He's racing 250 West. A lot of 250 riders and their teams don't declare where they're going. So my question for you, Daniel... Look, Jet's an overwhelming favorite. Sorry if you don't believe it. That's the facts. Do you think riders might run and try to go east? It's been done before when you have years where there's a singular favorite. Sometimes it's like that guy, that guy, and that guy. They could all win it. This year, Jet is the standalone. He's three championships straight. I, I, he's the favorite. So the question is, do riders run from him or do they run towards him? And it ends up coming down to the team manager and maybe even some of the sponsors. So I think the big questions are going to be the star team and the pro circuit Kawasaki team because they're so stacked with riders and they're the two that are the quietest. So I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but I can tell you this, RJ Hampshire, Cameron McAdoo and Austin Forkner. I have heard not confirmed, but I've heard likely West and Jason, those three guys all beat Jet Lawrence last year in Supercross. RJ got a triple crown win. Uh, Foxborough, Faulkner won, and then, of course, McAdoo got a win also. And then Battle Jet, pretty good in Indy. So if you're talking about running from the guy, the three guys who raced him last year and were successful, I'm hearing those three are likely to race him. So not running from him, actually running towards him in 2023. Oh, yeah. See, I was thinking Michael Bozeman, who it looks like he's going to race east. I thought that might have been a running from Jet, but you've heard otherwise. You've heard it's just Pierce Brown, his teammates, flying at the test track for west. Yeah, not confirmed also, but I've heard Pierce Brown is on fire at the moment, and Mosman needs a little bit more time, had an injury, or got banged up a couple weeks ago. Um, and the other one that I have heard, it's not confirmed, but it's I think it's pretty close. I have heard that Jordan Smith, who also has been in some championship runs, is most likely east. I don't think that's running from Jet Lawrence. It's more based on what's best for him, his riding style, and the team uh, that has been very successful bringing in older riders to be on that team and win titles. They're putting him where they think he would ride the best. So not confirmed, but Jordan Smith on the East more than likely. Yeah, he has primarily been a 250 East rider his whole career. We'll move on to job hunting. We've talked about these guys on every episode of our show so far. Shane McElrath and Joey Savacci still looking for 450 work. Have you heard anything in the shopping line for those two? I have sources, and my sources are not connected very closely to Joey Savacci, so I have nothing there. I, I don't know. I, I Again, I think he's just waiting to see if something opens up and he'll be ready when the time comes. With Shane McElrath, though, I think it's very, very 
like very, very close to being official that he'll be with the HEP Suzuki team uh, to be teammates with Ken Roxon and I think Kyle Chisholm. Now, I did reach out to Shane. He said it is not done, but both sides are very happy with the way it's looking. So um, look for that to probably be confirmed this week, maybe even by the time the show comes out. But I, I expect to see the number 12 on a Suzuki this year. Now, Savachi did ride for Monster Kawasaki over the summer last year in Pro Motocross as a fill-in for Adam Cerullo. And there's some that are thinking he's waiting in the wings to see if he could fill in for Cerullo again because some pesky reporters have put this rumor out here, Daniel, that Cerullo is struggling. What if he's going to retire? He addressed it on uh, Steve Mathis' podcast on the Racer X Network. Uh, let's get to the audio here from Adam Cerullo on those nasty rumors. We got some fake media news in our sport, too, that you were retiring. It's, that was a little buzz there. I'm sure you heard uh, about yeah. it. I'm sure, I'm sure you heard about it. Uh, yeah, I've been here. I, I heard some things. I'm just like, what? Um, yeah, it, it's it's that's where we're living, man. That's where we go with our sport now. And we're susceptible <clears throat> to the same things that celebrities are. Not on that level, but and mainstream sports are, and, and you know, that kind of stuff. There's a It's reached our level. It didn't for a long time, but we're here now. You yeah, know? I think... Yeah, and I think I've I've been, I guess, quieter than I have been in the past in terms of like social media and interviews and and stuff like that. And, and when you're quiet and you're not controlling the narrative yourself, mm-hmm. you know, it, it leaves you kind of open to you know whatever the rumor is flying around. And um, <clears throat> yeah, but no, I'm not retiring. I'm super stoked to be racing feel good on the bike man and just stoked to be where i'm at right now and uh, i'm not sure exactly where that came from but i i was uh i, I kind of laughed it off where did it come from daniel <laughs> i think it came from you i think you said it first i don't know <laughs> it was on our show it was on our first episode uh we bantered back look no one wants to hear adam Cincerlo no. retiring that is awesome news we hope he's healthy because we all know he's capable of winning races and he's a great uh, fan favorite as well yeah, I listened to that interview too, and um, it's good for him to, you know, come out and say I'm not retiring. I'm going to be racing. I love that. Uh, but two things. Number one, uh, Steve Mathis, I think, called himself a celebrity, which I have I have an issue with that. We could we could revisit that on another date. Uh, but I would say the tone that Adam had in the interview, either he really has gone through a transformation and he's approaching things with a, just a different mentality and just a more, you know, relaxed personality because he's such a fan favorite. He's so engaging and and he came across a little less engaged in that interview so i don't know if that's just a a mentality shift um or if the rumors we're hearing that things aren't perfect are true so i'm going to take him at his word and he's good he's not retiring that's what i want but at the same time i'm and and, until i see it at anaheim one i'm just i'm gonna i'm gonna keep the option open that's just i think that's as fair as i can be with it real quick we have some rookies coming in we want to touch on them colt nichols christian craig We'll get into the details of that. Also, Justin Cooper is going to race some 450 races. What are you thinking of these three and their road to even get here? And now they're finally here. Well, with Justin Cooper, my question is, is how many? We know he's going to do select rounds on the 450. How many is he going to do? We're going to find out. What's made him special in his career, fast in qualifying, great starter, consistent. How fast can he be in qualifying against the best 450 riders in the world? We'll find out. How good of a starter is he going to be on a 450 against the best riders in the world? We're going to find out. So I think it's going to be a tall order, but it's good to know that he'll be there. But it, right as of now, it's still select rounds, and we don't know which ones. Yeah, when it comes to Christian Craig, it's all about the whoop speed. He 
absolutely dominated the 250 field in whoops. Can he still do that in the Husqvarna 450? I've heard there's some videos from the Husqvarna test track showing he absolutely can slay whoops on the Husky 450. That'll be interesting. And Nichols in a tough spot here. It's an audition at the same time as it is his rookie year on a 450. He only has a Supercross contract with Honda at the moment. It's a great one to have to ride for the factory Honda team, but he's got to both perform and learn at the same time. So we'll see how that goes. That's your 30-second board. Those are your hot topics. Now let's get to our big interview. We're going to welcome in, speaking of Colt Nichols, the team manager for Team Honda HRC. We had a chance to catch up with Lars Lindstrom. So welcome to this week's big interview. We have the Team Honda HRC team manager, Lars Lindstrom. Growing in the year two, and you almost pulled it off. We all know the story. You probably don't need me to remind you, Lars. Thanks for coming on, but so close to that elusive 450 title with Chase Sexton last year. So just give me an idea of the effort and how much Honda cares about finally getting that 450 title they haven't had in a long time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of effort for sure. Um, we got really close last year, uh, but, uh, you know, close but no cigar. We, we're, we're looking for for that championship. We're 100% focused on that. We have obviously two chances this year to get a uh, 450 title uh, in the Supercross and Motocross and now with the Super Motocross Championship also, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's been a long time. Um, we are... Definitely try not to, to focus on that part of it. Uh, we just want to get it done. You know, we, we definitely got the equipment to do it. We got definitely got the riders to do it. And um, I think that uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to take, you know, at least uh, one or two titles this year in the 450 class. So that's 100% is the focus. Lars, you mentioned the equipment and the riders. Um, I'm going to put a couple pieces together here. Colt Nichols, new to the team. Chase Sexton coming off that outdoor championship where I have to believe you guys think he can win the Supercross championship with Colt joining the team. And the word I've heard is more compatible with Chase as far as bike settings and maybe I guess their their kind of the, their foundational settings. Is that helping Chase Sexton get ready for year three on this motorcycle, even though Colt's on year one on the bike? Is, is that true, that compatibility? Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, uh, a you know, a big reason when we hired Colt was uh, to have somebody uh, on the team that we could, uh, you know, uh, use for for testing um, for for both riders, you know, for the series and everything. And uh, a rider like like Colt and Chase, uh, you know, they're a little bit more similar in, in settings of what they like on the bike. Uh, there, there's a lot more reasons why we hired Colt. Um, obviously, it's not just to help. Uh, the 450 development, um, but that was a big one. Um, but the compatibility of, of Colt with every rider on our team is really, really good. Um, he has something to offer for everyone, um, and we have something to offer for him, which is a, a chance at the the 450 you know class that he deserves after being a champion in 21. So um, he works really well for us on the team. Um, we all get along really well with him. The riders all get along well with him. Um, so he's brought nothing but positive positivity to the team and he's helped us develop the 450 uh, into something that, you know, Chase uh, is, uh, is happy with. Um, there were a few things we wanted to improve from last year for Chase. And um, because of Colt being out in California and the, that the direction that he wanted to go helped us with Chase, which was um, kind of the, the, you know, the goal but it wasn't it wasn't everything also with colt helping with the development of the 450 I, I i know it's great to have another set of eyes and another feel on the bike does that play into jet lawrence's preparation again i'm fast forwarding to the summer uh well he'll race the 450 the pro motocross but 
we're hearing that maybe Jet might do some Supercross on the on the east side of the uh, of the series. Is Colt's development on the bike helping even for someone like Jet, or does he come into play completely different than Chase? Well, I mean, I guess it would it would be a little bit for that too. Um, we we had a plan for for Jet to ride some East Coast Supercrosses. I think we're gonna we're probably gonna scrap that idea. Um, it was uh, something that we used to do with our riders, um, you know. Years ago, we did it with Trey Kennard and Cole Seeley and Justin Barsha. We thought that would be really fun. Um, but at the same time, you know, we definitely know the task at hand. And uh, just for, you know, you know, more than one reason, we decided that I think uh, together with them as a team, it would be better to just stay on the 250 for a Supercross and then uh, on those East Coast times instead of riding Supercross on the 450 and, you know, testing the bike and using up his time that way, we're just going to focus on uh, 450 motocross and use that time to prepare for that. And for Jet, he has a little bit of time, right, with the motocross of nations. So a um, little bit of foundation work already done there? Yeah, for sure. Um, we did uh, quite a bit of riding on the 450 at the end of uh, the outdoors and going into motocross of nations. And uh, he, he performed incredibly well there, um, stronger than even the team thought that he would do. Um, so he does have a, a pretty solid base and he was pleasantly surprised with the 450, um, the, the performance of it. And so I think, uh, you know, when he goes East coast, uh, supercross, when we go East coast supercross, um, he'll, he'll focus on the motocross side of the 450 again and get back into that, you know, iron out any kinks that we think we might have or just get him even more comfortable on it. You know, Lars, I feel like people would be surprised actually how loose and how fun the atmosphere over is at your rig these days. There was an old adage that Honda was maybe the most buttoned-down corporate, and it's really come a long way from there. But you still have very competitive people, even two brothers who are at each other's throats for race wins at times. Then Jet moving into the class with Chase. Last year, Chase and Ken Roxon were both considered title contenders and race win contenders. How do you manage all those egos? Because it seems pretty loose over there, but I've got to imagine, especially when you got two brothers trying to beat each other, that it gets pretty competitive at times. How do you manage all that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a balance for sure. Um, you want the vibe to be, you know, young and, or I guess just uh, no pressure or low pressure anyways like that. And, it, and obviously when you're contending for a championship and every single rider you have, uh, it's pretty tough to do that. Um, but at the same time, I think we have a pretty young team. We have a good atmosphere, which I work on all the time. You don't want to be, too lax either you know you want to make sure that you're getting everything done but at the same time i think we we all have fun on the team um i think most of the people can say that i i'm i'm pretty easy to get along with i'm easy going um uh i'm i think that we are quite a bit different than we have been in the past um probably one of the easier teams for anyone like you or jason to come or uh you and Daniel to come into and talk and, and things like that. So um, definitely more approachable. Um, and I think that, that, you know, the writers, they all feel that they sense that and uh, it gets them to relax a little bit and it seems to work right now. So, but yeah, it can be difficult when you're, when you're trying to win championships and, and the writers are all um, competing against each other. It, it uh, it's not easy. Yeah, understandable for sure. But it's a nice problem to have. That's where you want to be this year, right? Have multiple guys up there? Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, we having all those guys on the team right now that that can win, it's pretty exciting. I mean, all summer too, you know, when we were out there 
and you know the Lawrences are racing against each other, and then you know Chase is battling with Eli. You know, it made every race pretty intense, especially towards the end there. And uh, and it's it's a good problem to have, but you know it can be you can definitely um, cause some nail biting. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, well, we wish you luck at getting back to that position again. Nail biting is a good thing in a racing sense. That was our big interview, Lars. Uh, thanks. We'll see you in Anaheim. Good luck this year. Cool. Yeah. Excited. See you guys there. Okay, time for our next guest. We're bringing in our stat man, Clinton Fowler, for Fowler's Facts. Now, Clinton, last week we focused on Jet Lawrence and how many wins he has compared to his upcoming competition in the 250 division. But part of that is because a lot of the former 250 race winners are all moving up to the 450s this year. So we're going to talk rookies. We'll stay on the Honda topic with Colt Nichols, who's a new member of the Honda HRC team. What do you see with the data and Colt? Yeah, Colt Nichols is a promising rookie entering this year with Factory Honda. Um, you look at his career stats, he's got 45 starts, four wins. But to me, the thing that really sticks out, Weege, is, is his 2021 East Coast Championship. Um, three wins that season, nine podiums, super consistent, week in, week out. Um, that really sticks out as the core entering his rookie year. But the thing that I also have the big question mark for you, Weege, He's been injured 2017, 2018, 2020, 2022. He's missed portions of each of those seasons. Yeah, that's always been the problem with Colt. When he gets hurt, it doesn't end up being a twisted ankle or a tweaked wrist. It ends up being big injuries that cost him a lot of time. And the 17 rounds in 19 weekends Monster Energy Supercross Tour he's about to embark on, no rest for the weary. Most rookies struggle with that. We'll see if uh, Colt can somehow avoid the past history, which is to get a little bit banged up. Yeah, and Jason, his hope obviously is to turn that around. I think back to Christian Craig. He went through a period of his career where it was the same. It seemed like every year there was something. But over the last couple of seasons, he's corrected course. So, Clinton, I'll shift to Christian Craig now. He's a rookie as well, but based on the stats, based on the data, he's a lot different than the other two. He does have experience in this class. Yeah, he does have experience. I think the thing, you know, he's not your average rookie. Um, He enters this year with 11 starts in the 450 class uh, and four top five finishes. So he'll come in having a little bit of experience racing against these t- the top echelon of the class. I think the other thing that is really interesting is to just look at last year's championship, right? Similar to Colt Nichols in 2021, but you look at Craig in 2022, West Coast champion, he won four races that year, nine podiums as well. Um, and really probably could have had a 10th, but um, at the final round was really just trying to solidify that championship. So I think Craig is probably of the of the crop of rookies, the most promising, knowing that he's got that experience in the 450 class already. I'm going to temper my uh, predictions for now, Jason, but I'm just warning you all. Uh, on race day live at Anaheim, if he is top three in qualifying times, I may pick him for Anaheim one. I just, I'm, I'm pre- predicting that there might be a Christian on, Craig winner have, you, one, just have you heard or seen flying at the test track from Craig? Have you heard or seen it? This eyeball, this eyeball. We okay. both thought he's good. He's <laughs> All ready. right, that's what we expect from Craig. That's good. Uh, and our final rookie is Justin Cooper. Uh, a kind of a different situation. We, we don't want the theme to always be that rookies get banged up. Justin Cooper, one of the all-time consistent riders in the sport, Clinton, and you have the data to support that. Yeah, Justin Cooper's got a a really interesting stat line. 88 career races um, in total, 58 in Supercross, four wins in Supercross, 16 podiums in Supercross. 
but if you look at total career stats in those 88 races he's got 47 podiums ponder that for a moment over half of the races he's in he's had 47 podiums so he's not necessarily getting all the wins but he's always up front and so i think when he transitions here into the 450 class on that star racing yamaha i think the interesting thing is going to be is can he get those starts and can he start up front with those guys and maybe run in in the lead pack yeah that has always been his strength qualifying and starts which leads to the consistency except there's one problem we don't know what races justin cooper is going to be in yamaha just said select rounds on the monster energy star racing machine so we'll see all right clint we'll let go happy holidays thanks for the stats making us sound a lot smarter than we are thanks guys all right folks that's our show for this week uh anything else important besides anaheim coming up daniel just christmas and new year's not a big deal (laughs) not to a1 i said it it's on the podium a1 gets the nod though yeah a lot of presents coming your way january 7th he's daniel i'm jason we're your smx insiders We're going to keep doing the show even through the holidays, so we'll see you next week.